Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as Mark Lemon Official on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I speak with festival CEO and television personality, Chris Jammer. Chris speaks to me about the death of his mum and how it shaped his outlook on life. You can find Chris on Instagram and Twitter as Chris Jammer. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so as mentioned in my introduction, today I'm speaking with someone who I've recently discovered through the amazing children's bereavement charity, Grief Encounter. And a lot of you might know him through the Channel 4 programme, Shipwrecked, and it's Chris Jammer. How are you? Hey, Mark. Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. We're back. And for the listeners, we <laughs> we kind of had a, a a bit of a glitch with kicking this off. But, um, you know, as as goes the way with uh, recording these podcasts from, from our respective homes. So, um, yeah. I don't know, for the listeners, are you able to just give them a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and uh, what you're about? Sure, yeah. Well, um, I go by the name of Chris Jammer. Um, I am 26 years old um, and I run uh, two music festivals in Cambridge called Strawberries and Cream and the Cambridge Club. Um, and I've been doing that since I was at uni, really. Um, I went to Cambridge, studied land economy um, and kind of fell into it as a club promoter and then developed the business from there. Um, and aside from that, I kind of, yeah, done done the shipwreck thing um, on E4 uh, I do a little bit of modelling and DJing. So, yeah, kind of have my fingers in a few sides. A bit of everything. Yeah. It's, that is quite strange. When I, I realised the other day that you were from, you know, you went to Cambridge University and that is my hometown. And so uh, looking on your Instagram page, I was like, I know that place. I recognise that place. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I love it. It's like my um, my spirit home almost. I've got such a strong affinity to it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, going there was... Going there was actually my always what I wanted to do growing up. I'm actually fourth generation at um, at Gonvalin Keys College, so um, there was a lot of pressure <laughs> to make sure I got in there. Um, and yes, yeah, and since then I've kind of ne- never really left the city. Okay, so you know, obviously the reason we're we're talking today is to do with uh, with grief. And would you be able to just share with the listeners your own experience with grief, please? Sure. Yeah. So I lost my mum. Two years ago, actually, her anniversary was uh, last week, um, and she struggled. Well, she battled with cancer for about eight years. She had breast cancer first, which she kind of got the all clear for, um, and then six months after that, she, her both her parents um, were killed tragically in a car crash. So my grandparents, and that kind of brought back on uh, the secondary bone cancer, and that was a. F- she was given. A, she was only given a short amount of time to live, but she actually managed to fight through for five years actually I think after she was diagnosed again um yeah when she sadly passed away in 2018 um but yeah I mean it's been a quite a long 
grief story in a way from starting from the grandparents, but then also dealing with the fact that my mom, my mom was going to die at some stage. Um, and yeah, the last two years have been kind of coming to terms with not having my closest person in my life with me anymore. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's obviously you, you, you felt grief, you know, with your grandparents and that's hugely traumatic experience. And then to them find out obviously about your mum. How did you find that, that process? Because a lot of my guests have said before that when they find out that their loved one has cancer, you kind of grieve for them at that point And then after, how have you found that process? Well, I think with my mum, it, it was an odd one because I was uh, I was 16 at the time. I was 16 or 17 at the time when, when she found out she had breast cancer initially. Um, and I kind of, because cancer is so prevalent, it kind of, it was something that people get over. And I was very positive about that. And then obviously she did get over it. Um, I think when she found out she was terminal, her attitude towards the, diagnos- the diagnosis was so positive and so like, in your face cancer, I'm going to beat you sort of thing that she kind of really pulled us all through. Um, and she kind of lived her life in an incredible way for those five years, it was as long as she could, whilst she was healthy, um, which really made me look at death and life in a, in a very different way than I think a lot of people my age were seeing it. You know, like anyone out there, you know, when you're of that age, when you're young, and you lose a parent, or you leave any lose anyone that you love so much, you know, it's sort of, it just completely changes her outlook, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. I think um, I was really, I was really torn up about it. And but then the way the way she conducted herself, like, I mean, I mean, my mum, she actually moved out of our family home. She she felt at the time that she needed to kind of separate a little bit from us for a number of reasons. I think firstly because um, she had her own life that she still wanted to live in a way, um, and kind of me and my sister are old enough to respect that. But also, I think in hindsight, she separated herself so that we didn't actually have to see the horrible side of dealing with cancer um, and kind of protected us from from that, that ugly side of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it, she, she was an incredible woman and in how she dealt with it, um, which taught me a lot to be able to be able to grieve with it afterwards. Yeah, I bet it's it's an incredibly difficult process, isn't it, for for anybody, but for her to kind of not not teach you but in a way I guess she did didn't she she sort of showed you that this there is this way of grieving yeah I think what she told me was um more that there's a way of 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 living really um I think she wasn't she wasn't scared she kind of she kind of went off and learned how to salsa dance and went traveling loads and and picked up art and just did, did things that she wanted to do for for the vast majority of her life um and with a limited time frame she was she was kind of managed she managed to get a lot a lot more in with it um which I, I kind of I take that that mantra with me now through through my life and living it how I want to yeah that was part of my next question was you know how it's kind of made you who you are today and I think the other part of that is you, know, you went to Cambridge University and you obviously and to go there you got to work hard haven't you how did you find the process of studying whilst your mum was sick did it instill and you were drive to I'm going to do this even more. Yeah, that was that was definitely the most difficult period of my life, um, trying to study while knowing that my mum was very ill. I think she she wanted me to go there a lot because I mean it was her granddad and her dad and her, her brother as well all went to the same college and there was a lot of there was a lot of family pressure on that side. But she was also incredibly proud of me going there, and there were times where I didn't. 
I was so I was really I was really depressed. I was almost suicidal at that stage actually. But there was she was the only thing keeping me going um, because I knew she was struggling with a load of stuff, and I knew that she she wanted me to do this. So it did really fuel me with a drive to to kind of yeah. I don't think I said this before. It kind of fueled me with a drive to kind of stay alive and get through what I would set out to do. Um, and and honestly, one of my proudest moments. If ever, if any time I need to feel happy, I always go back to the day of my graduation and and remember her being there and just seeing the smile on her face and being like oh your 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 granny was here and your granddad was there and and just how proud she was at that moment that's one of the things I'll cherish forever must have been an incredible and special moment for you all following on from the months after she died you know you did get you went on the shipwreck program and and obviously had to go away how did you find that process? Because, you know, I, I remember personally, the months after my dad died, you know, were like really difficult. And you're, you're sort of trying to navigate this grief that you have to now live with. How did you find that process? Um, I think I think after she passed away, I did struggle massively being in London and trying to trying to save my business and deal with the funeral. And it was all very fast paced and kind of the shipwrecked opportunity came up and it was like, you can go away to the other side of the world for two and a half months, um, which is like an opportunity you'll never, you'll never get no phone, no contact, no nothing. Um, and for me, that was just t- too much to turn down. I wasn't, I was, I wasn't dealing with it very well in London at all. I was getting caught up in, in, in stuff that I didn't want to do and kind of distract myself from it. So it kind of, it provided me with an escape. And I know it was only three, it was only three or four months after she passed away. Um, but yeah, it was it was the best thing I think I've ever done for it. Um, just going away and and I know it's quite intense being on a TV show, but I I made sure that I had a lot of time for myself to really use it as a grieving process for me. Mm. Yeah, just to sort of have that space, you know, away like you say from from busy life. Yeah, and it was it was absolute paradise. I was in a on a little desert island in the middle of nowhere. Um, because I say no phone, no nothing. And um, yeah, there was a lot of beauty around. And I felt like she, I, I always feel that she's with me all the time. So I kind of felt that she was experiencing that incredible thing with me there, which, which gave me a lot of strength. Yeah, that sounds amazing. You know, obviously the times we're in, the communication is changing. And, and also for a lot of people, grief is resurfacing. How are you finding this process that we're all in at the moment? I think overall it's been okay. I think last week was really difficult dealing with the anniversary um, and it's her birthday the day after the anniversary. So it's always, it's always that week in April that kind of brings a lot of um, emotions to the, to the surface. And I think in this isolation state, we have a lot more time to think about things. Um, and I think me thinking about her not being here hit me quite, quite hard. It was a lot more difficult this anniversary than the last one. Um, just because I, I missed her so much, and I, I wanted, I wanted to be able to spend my, all my free time with her. But yeah, I think I think yeah, it does bring up a lot of. It's just it's, it's a time to think too much, isn't it? And and thinking about a, a sad topic doesn't put you in the best of moods a lot of the time. What would you normally do on her anniversary? Obviously, it's only the second year. Yeah, so I got my sister back from her boyfriend's, and we went to the to where she's buried. And personally, I really don't like going to her grave. Um, at all I mean many people do find it a nice place to go and remember but I I, I hate the, the thought of her being in the ground um I kind of the way I deal with with my grief is to is to see her in to see her in in everything beautiful around me 
Um, and like, I, I wrote a poem actually for her birthday. I don't know if you read it. Actually, it's uh, it's very it's very raw. I put it, I didn't meet, intend to put it on my Instagram, but I felt like in this time where where people are people are trying to be really positive, but there is there is there are emotions that, that are, are, are underlying. Um, and the, I, th- I felt that there needed to be some sort of real, tangible feeling sort of thing put out there that people could relate to me a little bit better. Um, but yeah, that, that, that just referred to me seeing her in like butterflies and robins and, and the blossom that are on the floor, that sort of thing. That's why I, I prefer not going to a grave. No, I'm totally with you. I mean, my this time of year, the 12th of May is when my dad died. And so, yeah, I'm totally with you on, on you know, when I, I, I wrote about it the other day as well. And it sort of, you know, the sense in the air, the smell in the air, the sort of the change in the season, the sort of like you say, but I, like you, I, I look at, you know, we've got this Robin that keeps popping in the garden as well. And, you know, you do wonder, you're like, okay, I wonder if that's, you know, I'm just popping along saying hello or something. Um, and, and normally we would go back to Cambridge and we would go and see where his ashes are scattered in this church. And once a year is fine for me for doing that, because like you say, it kind of just, it's a different sort of sense of memory, isn't it? Mm, definitely. We haven't actually managed it because of the the corona thing. We were supposed to put a headstone on a few week, a few months beforehand, um, which all got held up. So I just I, it's just not it's not a place I really want to go. And I think I think that's fine as well. I, I, I don't I think it's every everyone deals with things differently. And I think having um, a special place to remember someone is is great. But I think my special place is is everywhere. So yeah. Everyone grieves in their own way and in their own individual way, and that's perfectly fine, isn't it? And and that is a great message to anybody out there who's listening to this: is that it's fine. Like, just do your thing. We're going to talk a little bit about the amazing grief encounter who you do work with, and how did you get in touch with them? How did you sort of start working with them? And so, grief encounter actually helped me when I lost my grandparents back when I was at school. Still, um, so I kind of had eight counseling sessions with with one of their with one of their counselors and um and it was just something that I wasn't I didn't I didn't think I needed at the time but it really really helped me out and I think off the back of shipwrecked I kind of got a little bit of a profile um and I wanted to do something um I wanted to give back in a way and just and 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 do something for a cause that had a lot had a big impact on me and obviously the shipwrecked experience I spoke about spoke about my mum and I got a lot of messages on Instagram about how you dealt how I dealt with my grief and I think the charity stood out for me as as the one to become an ambassador for um so since then I've kind of we've done some really cool projects we've we've gone to China and walked the Great Wall and raised a load of money um yeah how was that walk because that looked pretty yeah that was that was incredible yeah I'd uh I never expected to go to China and when when Sam from the charity said we're gonna do we want to do this walk and we want you to come on it um it was just yeah an opportunity I didn't want to turn down again um and I felt I mean that walk was brilliant for a number of reasons I felt I was doing it for her um it was a real it was really poignant for me to kind of do another she loved traveling and going on on a, another big trip like that um that year was, was was something I think she'd really like me to do and also I got a lot of time again to think about her and, and digest while I was in the middle of nowhere yeah and um, you know, at the same time, it's you know, obviously, it's it's for you, it's for your mum, but it's also raising profile and funds and for a brilliant charity, isn't it? Yeah, the British, it's a brilliant charity. They kind of uh, a lot of the money goes to raise funds for their support line that they have twenty four hours a day, 
and then the money is that you can it's directly tangible as to where it goes it's kind of either going to counseling sessions for families or days out for families or or just being able to support people um over the phone and i think it's it's such a, a useful service with a really and it's just not it's not it's not really funded by the government either so yeah i think the, the work they do is amazing Okay, so you know another subject which is quite a big one, which we normally talk about, is that the fact of grief is not really something that we tend to talk about in this country. You know, it's quite um, subdued. You know, people sort of shy away from it a little bit, and it kind of also ties into bringing the conversation into schools, which part of the reason why I wrote my children's book, The Magical Wood, was to sort of try and open up the conversation with, with young people. Is there anything you think we can do better to try and open up the conversation? Um, yeah, I think, I think speaking to younger people earlier about it, um, is, is definitely a way to change people's mentality going forward. Um, I, I, I do, I do find that, yeah, as, as Brits, I think we, we kind of, we kind of hide away from, from grief and almost feel shame about it in a way about discussing it and not wanting to put our problems onto other people. Um, and I and I often found I didn't I didn't really want to speak about my mum's death to, to bring anyone else's um, their, their, their I didn't I didn't want to bring anyone else down with me sort of thing. Um, I don't think is the right way to go about it. And I do I do I do get a lot of people speaking to me about grief because they know my story, and I and I actually really enjoy it because it gives me an opportunity to get some of my feelings out. I'm the sort of sort, sort of person that doesn't really think about things too much unless I'm unless I'm asked um and being able to and being asked then then like this for example I've not thought about this really um in much depth but verbalizing it and having the conversation really kind of is, is, a, is a form of therapy which I think we should do more of I think that's that's a really interesting point isn't it because like you say you went and had counseling you weren't sure if you needed it and I've I've been the same sort of recently revisited counseling purely because obviously I'm talking about it so much on the podcast, but also once you actually sit down with somebody else and you talk about it, you're like, oh, okay, there is that that I do need to sort of talk about and, and just, I guess, get off my mind, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the conversation, just the conversation in general and kind of it being more socially acceptable, um, I think we're getting there. We're getting there a lot better in on the mental health front and the grief front. Um, but it is, I think people are, I think friends especially are, are really, you'd be surprised about how much they want to hear about it because uh, a lot of my friends really cherish the fact that I'm able to open up to them about something so um, sensitive to me. And it brings us together a lot more in ways. Um, and I think have, being able to get past that initial barrier of thinking, oh, what if they don't want to hear it? What if I'm, I, I bring the mood down? Actually it can actually draw you closer to people that, that, that love you. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a way of sort of confiding and trusting them, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, my next question is, um, are you happy to share three things about your mum that make you smile when you think about her? Uh, yeah, sure. You, um, yeah. <laughs> let me think. Uh, three things about my mum that make me smile when I think about her. Um would be how let me think I think I love that she just kind of went off and did her own thing um and was just like kids like do you mind if I go and live my life now sort of thing which is so matter of fact and I was just like yes you go girl go and 
do what you need to do. Um, so that was brilliant. I think I always smile about like our car journeys and our and our sing along. She was she loved she loved singing. Um, so there, there are a load of like nineties nineties classics, which just always brings back really fond memories of being in our car. Um, I just think looking seeing the world as seeing the beauty in the world and like the simple beauties in the world make me smile about her. So as I said, like blossom in the trees or like a butterfly or a robin, anything that's just like nature's beauty, I think always reminds me of her and makes me smile. No, those are great things. Okay, so we're now moving on to questions from the children at Charity Winston's Wish. How do you make yourself feel happy when you're feeling sad? I try and think of a positive experience. So one of my weirdest memories that I have of my mum is racing her to my house like from the park when we were about when I must have been about seven years old um <laughs> that all that memory always makes me laugh how she was actually faster than me um I just think of I just can just imagine her running um and that always makes me smile just that something some, something even it's like tiny like that um can really bring up lift my mood okay next one is what piece of music reminds you of your mum it's a bit a long one, actually. I think um, she loved Gabrielle, the singer. And um, the year my mum died, I had Gabrielle booked for straw, for, for the, one of my festivals, the Cambridge Club. Um, and it was, and I remember I remember telling my mum, she was, she was quite ill at the time. I was like, oh, I've booked Gabrielle. Uh, you're going to be able to make it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, she, and she unfortunately died two months beforehand. Um, and that set was just the most emotional thing that I had ever experienced. Um, I was, I've never cried like that in my life because we kind of, it was, there was a lot of significance to it. There was, I, I thought my business was going to go under because I spent so much time looking after her um, in the run up to it. And then just having it all come together and, and, and her sing some of her favorite songs on stage was, was, was surreal. So yeah, the sunshine in my window one is, is my favorite. Wow, that's incredible. You know that you actually managed to book her, and that your mum died knowing that you'd done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very emotional. The next one is: What do you do to remember your mum on important days like her birthday? On her birthday, we cooked a really nice meal. Um, I try and spend it with my sister, who me and her, me and my sister are like best friends. We're, we're so close, um, and and her death actually brought us together. So spending it with my sister and my dad. Um, and yeah, I do try and go to the grave, even though it doesn't, I don't, I don't like it that much, but it's just the significance of it. I think she would, she would definitely want me to. Okay. My final question is, um, if you had one final sit down with your mum, what do you think you would like to say to her? Um, well, this is a deep one. I think, I think I'd like to say to her that I was going to be all right. Um, I think, at, but when she went, there was she was a bit worried about my direction and how everything was going to plan out. And I think she was, I, I always say that after my mum died, I went, I became a man, like going through her, her, her dying process. I was, I was a boy before. Um, and I think she, she taught me a, a hell of a lot in her, in the way she, in the way she died. Um, so I think just saying to her, look, I'm, I'm going to make you proud. I am, I am going to be all right. You don't have to worry. Just go and you be at rest. That's kind of what I would would say to her in my last last conversation. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
Well, look, Chris, I just want to say a massive thank you for, for coming on today and talking to me. And, you know, I always say that grief is individual. We all deal with it in our own way. And, you know, the way that you've dealt with it and the way that you speak about your grief and you help uh, the Children's Bereavement Charity and all of those things, I think is, is amazing. Can I, can I just say um, one thing on the charity, actually? Is I just wanted to let everyone know that kind of one child in every classroom in the UK will experience a close bereavement. And that's why the charity exists. Um, and they've got a like, really fantastic helpline that's open uh, nine to nine on weekdays uh, and the number is 0808-802-0111. No, that's great. And we'll also put that in the show notes um, so people have access to that as well. Um, so yeah, Chris, thanks so much and uh, take care.